The writer of Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That's a good word from the writer of Proverbs, and it's a good word for all of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. My name is Al Brady, and I want to welcome you to this ministry tonight. Thank you for taking the time to join me, and I hope and pray that this will be a blessing to you both in music and in word. Thank you again. Would you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word? It comes from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Giving your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. 
For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning minds. There is no one like you ever before you, or no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. Then Solomon awoke. It had been a dream. He came to Jerusalem where he stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. He offered up burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and provided a feast for all his servants. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. How do you spell success? How do I spell success? A retired business executive was asked to explain the secret of his success. He said it could be stated in just three words and then some. He said he learned at a young age that the main difference between the top people and the average people was simply that the top people did what was asked of them and then some. They were thoughtful of others and then some. They faced the issues of life fairly and squarely and then some. They were true friends to others and then some. They could be counted on in an emergency and then some. Another person spells success in terms of price tags. The four price tags mentioned were the following. Painstaking preparation, helping those to grow, high aim, long days and sleepless night. Dennis Waitley, who's an expert on personal development, wrote a book called Seeds of Greatness. And in that book, he said there are 10 particular ways and characteristics of success, total success. And these were the ones he mentioned, self-esteem, creativity, responsibility, wisdom, purpose, communication, faith, adaptability, perseverance, and perspective. And then there are a large number in our culture who interpret and spell success, power, position, pleasure, wealth. We see that written all over their stress-stained faces. But how do you spell success? How do I spell it? Before we go any further, let me say that success means different things to different people. And success means different things to us in our own lives at different stages of our life. And sometimes we cannot even explain what we mean by success. When Hamilton College was celebrating its centennial, they asked one of their most famous alumni, Alexander Woolcott, to make an address. He opened up his address with these words. I send my greetings today to all my fellow alumni of Hamilton College, scattered all over the world. Some of you are successes and some of you are failures. Only God knows which are which. Some of you are successes and some of you are failures. Only God knows which are which. Today I want us to focus on Solomon as a biblical example of both success and non-success. Solomon certainly had great power and great wealth, but he was not always successful. 
As a matter of fact, because he was not successful, you remember when he died, the kingdom of Israel was rent in two. But let's begin at the beginning. At least at the beginning, Solomon looked like he was going to have a very successful reign. He was going to live a very successful life. So let's take a look at this. He exemplified a couple of characteristics of all successful people. First of all, gratitude. When Solomon began, he had a sense of gratitude. He was not only grateful that he was a king, but he was grateful that he could be a successful king. But he knew that not all kings were successful. There were good kings and bad kings, responsible kings and not so responsible kings. He knew he was going to have to work at it if he was going to be a successful king. So in the early stages of his life, in a dream, he heard God say, What shall I give you? What shall I give you? And then we are told that Solomon, first of all, thanked God. He expressed his gratitude for God's leadership in his father David's life. And then he was grateful that he himself now had ascended to the throne. Now that was an unusual request when he asked for wisdom. He said, give me wisdom. God said, what shall I give you? He said, give me wisdom that I shall govern my people wisely, that I shall know good from evil, and that I will be able to govern the way you want me to govern. Now that was a very interesting thing for a young king to ask. He could have asked for power and riches. He could have asked for glory, all sorts of things. But what he asked for, he asked for wisdom, the wisdom to rule wisely. Here Solomon points out that one essential characteristic of genuine successful people is a sense of gratitude, a sense of gratitude. Of all people, successful people ought to realize that they owe a debt to others for their success. You know, when we think about each other, we have to remember that there are no self-made people. There are absolutely no self-made people. If you have a measure of success, somebody helped you to get there. Somebody encouraged you in the process of getting where you are. Think about this. If a football player makes a long run, somebody had to spring him loose. Usually it was a large tackle or an offensive guard that opened a hole and suddenly this halfback ran through for many, many yards. I remember when I was working on the Doctor of Ministry degree at the Candlewood School of Theology at Emory University. It was taking me a long time. But let me tell you, if it hadn't been for a special friend, a man by the name of Dr. Clyde Faulkner, I never would have gotten that doctor's degree. Dr. Faulkner was the Dean of Arts and Sciences of that college at Georgia State University. But so many times he would help me. So many times he would be patient with me. I could go by at night if I got in a jam, and he would help me. He was patient. He supported me. He was there for me. So I got that Doctor of Ministry degree primarily because Dr. Clyde Faulkner was willing to help me. We're told that there was a wealthy young student that was brought into the president of Williams College for defacing college property. And so when he came in, he pulled out his, his billfold. He was rather arrogant. He said, what do I owe you for these damages? The president looked at him and said, you can't pay for what you've received here. No student can. Can you pay for the sacrifice of Colonel Williams who established this school? Can you pay for the sacrifices of these half-paid professors who've stayed here when they could have gone elsewhere? Every student here is a charity case. Do you see what the president was doing? President Mark Hopkins was so grateful for all of those who had succeeded him, and he was expressing a sense of gratitude 
for what they had done for him. In his prayer to God, Solomon remembered all that had been done for his father. He remembered how God had helped him. And then he remembered how God was helping him. God was helping him as he became king. You know, he could have very easily gone on and thanked the prophet Nathan. You see, it was the prophet Nathan who took care of him when he got into this moral dilemma with Bathsheba. He told him, you are the man. He told him about his sin. So Solomon could have thanked Nathan for correcting David or there would have been no throne. And then Solomon could have thanked other people, his advisors, his commanders, his troops. I remember Ellsworth Callis was telling about an invocation he asked at the graduation of a large state university. And he said the moment that meant the most to him was an unprogrammed moment. It was not in the program. But at one point, the president asked those college graduates, he said, now I'd like you to stand and applaud your spouses, your parents, and your sponsors for enabling you to get to this day, this wonderful day. And so the students applauded. But he could have said, I'd also like you to applaud the professors, the people who wrote the journals, the researchers, the people who wrote the textbooks, the taxpayers who paid for most of your college education. And then Ellsworth Callis said, he could have said, also, I want to encourage you to applaud God. God is the source of faith and life and talents and blessings. That was the first thing that Solomon had. Solomon had gratitude. And then secondly, humility. That was the second quality that characterized his success. He had humility. Now, years ago in the Miss America contest, the last five finalists had to pick a word off of a board and then define what that word meant. Miss Arkansas chose to pick the word humility. And this is what she said about humility. Every person, she said, has wonderful goals set for themselves in their lives to be witty, to be ambitious, to be educated, to have responsibilities. But we always look up to someone who has humility. We admire and strive for it. Every girl should have it. Every man and woman should have it. Though it's very obvious to others, it is invisible to those who possess it. As a new king, Solomon also displayed humility in his prayer. Listen, he said, O God, and then he said, O God, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. Solomon made this admission just prior to asking God for the wisdom to govern his people wisely. Now, most of us have what seems to be an inborn drive for success. But yet, let me tell you, we have more trouble with success than we do with failure. Because quite often we begin to read our own press clippings. So it's very, very important that we keep God in our lives so that we'll continue to have a teachable spirit and we can handle our success. You know, in the sports world, many sports people make wrong decisions and they have terrible influences on society. Let me tell you about one athlete that handled his success so beautifully. His name was Cal Ripken, Jr. You remember, Cal Ripken was the one who broke Luke Gehrig's decade-long record of playing in the most consecutive games. Cal Ripken never thought he had done anything great. He just knew he had played in 2,131 games. 
that was all. But he thought he was just doing his day-by-day work, nothing to be bragged about. But the people did brag about him. They did congratulate him. They did honor him. We're not talking about one or two. We're talking about 46,000 people who are in that stadium at Baltimore and another million or so people watching by television. When that game was four and a half innings long and it was in the record book, they knew it was an official game. Suddenly the crowd in Baltimore stood on their feet and they applauded Cal Ripken Jr. for 23 minutes, just stood and clapped for him. And Cal Ripken would come out and he would take off his hat and he would mimic, thank you, thank you, thank you. But something that was even greater than all of the applause of the crowd was the way he handled it. He never thought that he was immortal. He never compared himself with Luke Garrick. When they asked about that, he said Luke Garrick was a better athlete than he was or ever could be. You see, he handled his success so very, very well. Then there was a newscaster. This newscaster was writing for the Dallas Morning News. His name was Blackie Sherrod. He wrote, such modesty in contrast to the egos in today's parade is a curious treasure like ancient hydroglyphics found in a forgotten cave. The more awareness we are of our success, the more we need to stay in touch with Christ. Because you remember, he was the one who was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but emptied himself and became a servant, even giving his life to death, death on a cross. Now, let me tell you, gratitude and and humility are great, great characteristics of successful people. And Solomon had those characteristics. But there are a couple of other characteristics of successful people Solomon did not have. Consequently, he was not successful. The third quality of, of what I call success would be faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let me tell you, Solomon did not understand that God was more interested in his faithfulness than in his achievements. Now, to be sure, Solomon achieved great things. He was the ruler of Israel for 40 years, and that is nothing to be sneezed at. He was able to conquer his enemies after David's death. That's nothing to be sneezed at. He built the temple. Sure, he used slave labor, but it was his vision and his responsibility and his guidance that enabled them to build that temple. He was a man of great wealth. He was a great businessman and astute in business. And then we're told he had great wisdom. We also know that that wisdom was simply tempered. It was not total wisdom, but he had great wisdom. But remember, Solomon was not faithful to God. God warned Solomon about so many wives. God warned Solomon about building those temples to other gods. But what did Solomon do? He ignored what God said. Consequently, God became angry with Solomon. And when Solomon died, when he died, the kingdom of Israel was rent in two. Now I want you to consider these definitions of success. One pastor says that success is the quality of living that finds peace and joy and victory in every experience. A Methodist bishop said, he said, success is taking what life hands you and managing it so that when lose or draw, you're not ashamed when life is over. Now as good as those two definitions are, I like this one the best. Anything in God's creation is successful when it functions within the purpose for which it was created. Did you get that? Anything is successful when it functions within the purpose for which it is created. So what is the purpose of humankind? The purpose of humankind is to become a child of God, to discover and to do the will of God. That is absolutely critical 
in every life to do the will of God, to be obedient. There was a mother who was having trouble with the independence of her young daughter. And her young daughter was getting all this perfume, spending all this money on perfume. Her mother got all over about it. Her mother said to her one day, don't put so much perfume on. I can smell you a mile away. The frustrated daughter said, but mother, I love it. It's called gorgeous and I feel gorgeous. The mother looked at it and said, oh, but would you find a perfume called obedient? That is the message of God to Solomon. That is the message to us. Certainly be grateful, have humility, but also be faithful. Solomon was not faithful. Consequently, he was not a success. And then there's one other thing that makes for success, and that is excellence. Solomon did not live a life of excellence. Consequently, he was not successful. There is one rule of success that's always in vogue. Have you done the very best you could? Have you done the very best you could? That is always the rule of success. Have you done the very best you could? A lady went to a concert and she heard a pianist. After it was over, she said to the pianist, I'd give half my life to play the piano like you. And that lady said, that is precisely what I've done. I've given half my life to learn how to play the piano like this. One thing people of excellence hate, and that is mediocrity. Mediocrity, the half effort, just getting by. People of excellence absolutely hate that. They hate that. Now, there was a, a composer. Hayden was his last name. Hayden composed this beautiful thing on the creation. The last time he went for that particular performance was in 1808, in March of that year. When the performance ended, people began to clap. They were so pleased with it. At that point, Hayden stood up and he simply lifted his hands to heaven and he said, not from me, but from him. Everything is from him. You see, he was giving his praise to God because God had been excellent for him and he had been excellent for God. If you really want to know a person of excellence, it was the late Ma Angelo, this lady who's just passed from this world. This lady was an outstanding person in every way. She lived life at its very best. She was one of those people who survived, first of all. Then she became a civil rights activist. She was a poet. She was an author. She was a leader. She exemplified life at its very best. She was a person of excellence. So let me ask you again, how do you spell success? How do I spell it? This is the way I spell it. Gratitude, humility, faithfulness, and excellence. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have of being together. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to proclaim that Word. And thank you for those who are willing to listen and to hear. Open all our hearts that we may be perceptive and we may understand and we may live the lives you call us to live. Thank you, O oh God, for the life of excellence as demonstrated through Jesus Christ our Lord. Help me to be faithful even as he was faithful. Help all of us to be faithful. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me for this broadcast tonight. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. You can always find some of the messages on our website. It's HalBrady.com, HalBradyMinistries.com. Have a good evening. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer.
Sweet heart.